Welcome to the See Me Now podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Coleman, here with my co-host, Caitlin Birdsall. And we are joined today by Assistant Professor of Nursing, Jody Noga. Welcome to the show. Hello. Thanks for having me. And you have been a nurse for 26 years. So you have um, a wide variety of knowledge that you share with Colorado Mesa University students here in the classroom. But I want to talk about your experience before becoming um, an assistant professor here and kind of where you started and why you got into nursing to begin with. Okay. Well, nursing was just sort of a gradual progression for me, um, getting into it just because as a kid, I was always drawn to medical shows, medical things, the little toys that had anything to do with medical. So that was kind of a natural progression. Had a lot of nurses in my family. And I always had the adrenaline thing going on. So um, I went right into cardiac nursing, ICU, critical care, intensive care, um, emergency room for several years, and then did some flight nursing for a few years. So I've done a lot of that. And then after about, I'd say, maybe 10-ish years, 12 years of critical care, I started realizing that I wanted to um, gravitate more towards hospice and palliative care after, you know, just seeing some experiences in the critical care areas and thinking I could help people maybe have a good death, if that's such a thing. So so that's what led me to CMU, actually, is my hospice experience. They had me come in and speak as a guest lecturer. So that's my background. So you mentioned good death, and I actually like that term because I know sometimes death is a difficult topic for a lot of people to talk about or to face, but in reality, we all want to have a good death. And so what does that mean to you? Correct. We do. And, you know, it's not always something that can be predicted, obviously. But like I said, when I was in critical care, I often saw people's end come in, in a scary way, bright lights, lots of tubes, confusion. And, and I think for, for me, a good death is having, if they can, family, loved ones around, having things on their terms, how they want, you know, maybe in their own home or just with the special things around them that are comforting and yeah, things like that, the small things that really are the big things. I, I mean, I feel like this, this, you as a person are so needed in the world and people who really do want to dedicate and give their lives to, um, I don't, I don't know if this is the right word, but you know, this cause, because we all, we all die, right? We all (laughs) reach this point and no matter how long you've been on the planet, it doesn't, it's hard to, it's hard to see somebody you love pass. And so I think for, for you, um, how do you cope with, with seeing death and being around so much sadness? Well, and I will clarify, it's not always sad, especially in my hospice experience. Sometimes it's a long time coming, the patient might be more ready for it than the family, but sometimes the family's just as ready or they just want to see the suffering stop. But I personally cope with, you know, my own, you know, finding my own outlets for, you know, a lot of physical activity, whether it's hiking, skiing, but also just communication is really big for, for me, you know, with, with my peers, other, you know, nurses and people that were on the team when I worked in hospice and, you know, for the family too, being with them as their loved one is, is dying. It's, I think that's important for them just as much as, you know, it is for the patient, that support that we're, that we're giving the family needs it too. 
So my dad actually passed away about six years ago from ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. Yeah, I'm and sorry. thank you. Um, it was definitely one of the most challenging times. I'm very close with my family, with my mom, mm-hmm. and I've got three sisters. And at the end of his life, we did have hospice care and they came um, to my parents' house. And I know my mom was really grateful, myself and my sisters were because and I wish I could remember her name, but her presence was just a really calming effect of she walked us through, answered any questions we had. She made my dad really comfortable. And so what I would expect as you as a hospice nurse is you almost have to have this balance from that medical perspective. And it's that human connection and communication. Can you maybe talk about, is that what drew you to hospice care or how do you kind of balance those two, what you would think is opposing qualities? Yeah, and and those are very important qualities to have. You need the medical knowledge, but you also need that caring human aspect where you can just meet people where they're at with what they need. Some people need a lot of support, and some people are more withdrawn and, and don't necessarily want or need all of that, or they might not know they need it. But I will say what drew me to hospice, like I mentioned, all the adrenaline rush kind of work that I did, I always was good at handling the deaths, unexpected or not, and was a go-to person that some of the other nurses maybe weren't as comfortable with death, would ask me to help them, or can you come talk to this family member? I don't know what to say. It's something that for whatever reason has come somewhat naturally to me. And so that's what drew me into it. And I I do think it's not that it takes a, quote, special person to do it. It takes a person who's got a certain amount of comfort maybe with their own mortality, with with being around death, with, you know, just your own thoughts on what happens during and after death. And so I think that has personally helped me. You know, a lot of the reading I've done, the research I've done, the thinking I've done, what I've witnessed, all of that. And I I think when a lot of people are, a lot of people might be listening and saying, wow, I didn't know that this was part of the curriculum. You know, you're not only teaching these nurses the skills and tools to be great nurses, you're also teaching them how to be great humans and how to help people in a time of need. How do you teach that in in a classroom? So I embed it in all the classes that I teach. And I teach the beginning nursing students that just get accepted in what we call level one in the traditional BSN program the first semester after they've done their two years of prerequisite courses. And then I teach graduating um, seniors, those that are graduating that particular semester. And it's really fun to see the growth. But no matter where I'm teaching, I I do talk about death in all my courses. And one of the reasons I came to CMU back when they hired me was they were excited for me to add more of that into the curriculum. Not that it wasn't there already. I know a lot of my my peers and faculty definitely do a great job talking about it as well. But it's my passion. It's my background. It's I'm certified hospice and palliative care nurse. And I believe it's super important for nursing students to understand that no matter where they're going to work, happy places, sad places, they're going to see death. And so I think it's important to be prepared for that. So I do a variety of activities in the courses. I show a lot of documentaries. Sometimes I warn them, get some tissues. But I think it's important to face it and to think about it versus the worst case scenario, not having thought about it in the classroom setting and then get out to a clinical setting and it's happening and they're not prepared at all on what to do or they're just overwhelmed. So I like to kind of ease them into it. You hit on this a little bit earlier, but I think we can take a little deeper dive. Um, When we think about spirituality and what happens after you die, I know, of course, (laughs) there are varying um, opinions and beliefs on this topic. But as a as a nurse and as an assistant professor, how how, do you guys talk about that? Do you talk about how to we do? 
bridge this um, divide that maybe they don't believe in what the person or the family um, believe in, but that they need to kind of be there mm-hmm. for them yeah. at that time. We talk about that a lot because, of course, we're all humans and we all have different backgrounds. And, you know, students, I, I tell them, we all have our own lens, even if we don't think we have any biases or, or uncomfortable comfortable feelings, you know, people do. And so I teach them, you know, be aware of it. And it's okay to talk and ask the patient, the family to explain what they, you know, what their beliefs are and to always be respectful. That's the key. Always be respectful and listen and don't think that their way is wrong or, you know, don't push our own belief, spirituality, whatever that is. We keep that checked, you know, at the door. We're not there to talk about us. We're there to talk about the patient and meet them where, where they are. And their needs. So we do talk about it to, to answer your question because it's an important topic. Patients will often ask, what do you think happens after I die? They'll be afraid. They'll ask questions. And so I like to prepare the students for those tough questions that there is no right answer for. Are these conversations in the classroom really fruitful? I mean, I, I would think that they would be eye-opening for some for some students. They are, and I always have them reflect after we do any of these activities. I have, you know, probably throughout all of my courses, maybe about five activities that somewhat touch on death, some heavier than others. I don't want to get a reputation as like the professor of death. It sounds horrible, but but I, I do. And, and all of them have a reflection afterwards because I think it's important for them to process. And, and I warn them too, if you've had a recent loss or this, you know, strikes a chord with you, it's hard, then it's okay. You, you can step out. We can, we, you know, I don't force them to be in it if it's just too much, but I do remind them that it's important to to be able to have these what I call difficult conversations. In my last job, I used to teach at Hope West um, in staff development and orientation. I used to have a, a talk I did called diffi- having that difficult conversation. And it's not always about death, but it could be about you know terminal diagnosis or just anything that's difficult. And students need to understand that we, ha- as a nurse, that that's part of it. It's not always easy. So after being a practicing nurse for 26 years, and like you said, you've kind of spanned everything from critical care and being in the ER to hospice and palliative care, what made you finally decide to make the switch into teaching? Was it gradual? Was it something that just happened quickly because we recruited you? What, what does that story look like of why you became a professor here at CMU? Well, I know I mentioned I started doing some guest lectures. As a hospice employee, they wanted me to come in and, and um, speak to students, and I, I loved it. And, and that's part of what I did as a hospice nurse as well as I, I taught. I'm, I really am an advocate of mentoring new nurses and, and teaching. And I got my master's degree. It's in education, nursing education. And so I always wanted to teach in some capacity. It wasn't necessarily going to be at a university, but I just loved it. I, you know, the more I did little guest lectures, I'm like, I could do this. I really like this the energy of the students. It was great. And just passing on, there's a time in anyone's career, whatever you do, where you feel like, okay, I've been doing this a long time. I have a lot to share. I have a lot to offer. And that's what I want to do. And I love that part. I love that. Well, our students are lucky to have you here. <laughs> Thank you. We we met before recording this podcast and I, I jotted down the caring project. Mm-hmm. Can you go into that? What is it? Why, why does it exist? Right. It sounds like such a big, uh, the caring project. And, and so this is a project that, um, it's been around for a while. A, a former faculty who taught this class before me started it, and I've really added to it to really incorporate a lot of what we learned throughout the semester. But it's to, to help students understand that they, 
that we all are, you know, people that care, right? Universally, we care maybe about our fellow human being, but it means so much more as a nurse. What does the patient perceive it as? What? How do we show that we care? It's different for different people. And so it's really a mix of the students. Um, throughout the semester, I show them these documentaries. They reflect. We do an exercise on bias because everybody thinks, I don't have bias. I love everybody. You know, the, you know that's kind of what we all want to say, but it's surprising how many students do realize, oh, I didn't realize I was uncomfortable with maybe this group of people or this population of people or that scares me, you know, that kind of bias, not not like anything horrible. But so they um, they learn a lot and what it means. And then they also have them do research on what caring means. You know, there's a lot of research on caring, believe it or not. And so they just pull it all together. And then we have a discussion. And you mentioned fruitful. That's really a fruitful discussion at the end of the semester. They kind of incorporate all they've learned, not just in my classes, but in clinicals throughout the first semester of nursing school. And they talk about what caring means to them. And after they've interviewed, they also, part of this project, they interview a loved one who's just had the care of a nurse. And once they've done that, they really get a different perspective of what it means on the other side to feel cared for or not by a nurse. And I think it helps them grow in how they want to be as a nurse. How, how do you overcome biases? I think it's always going to be a work in progress. I don't think it's ever fully overcome, but being aware is key. Being aware that you may have them, understanding what they are, checking yourself if you feel yourself, you know, reacting in, in a way that might show bias to your patients and and just being open minded and having, you know, that that open minded attitude, accepting. Because we're nurses. We we do check our own, you know, belief systems for the most part at the door and, and we're there to support the patient. And it's hard. We talk a lot about moral distress or t- talking about patients who who um they probably maybe they've done something bad. I've cared for a patient who was a drunk driver and he was in a car accident. And the result of that from being a drunk driver was a whole family died. And I was the ER nurse that responded and he was hurt, but he didn't die. And those kinds of situations are hard and they're re- reality. You know, we can't be all, oh, we can, it's so easy to care for everybody. It's not always. So we talk about that in the classroom, those scenarios that are particularly tough, but that we still have to do our job. And part of that is caring. So we've talked about a lot of the challenging aspects, I feel like, of nursing and how you and other faculty members are preparing our students to be able to handle those situations once they're out in the workforce. Mm-hmm. But I'd also like to spend a little bit of time talking about more of the rewarding side of nursing, because I would assume as a profession that it also has to be a really rewarding profession. So I'd maybe like to know what's one of your favorite parts about being a nurse, and then maybe follow that up with your favorite part of being a teacher now. <laughs> Well, I think it is rewarding, and one of my favorite parts is just the little things when you're out and about in the community and somebody sees you and remembers you, oh, you know, you're the nurse that that cared for my mom or my dad, or you did this, and I often don't remember everybody because there's just so many, and not that it happens every day, but that's really rewarding to know you touch somebody or a, a little special note from somebody that, that you've made a difference to them or just knowing you've connected them to something that they really need or helped them in some way. It's, it's completely rewarding just, you know, as, as a nurse in the community. And then how about as a faculty member now? That, I would assume maybe it's a little different, but also a rewarding It's profession. rewarding to see the growth in the students. It's just so rewarding. And, you know, a lot of them, after they graduate, they, you know, Facebook you or find you on social media, and you see what they're doing. And I will say in these last few years, with COVID in particular, our nursing students have had such a huge 
piece of um, responsibility for the community of helping with COVID testing, now doing a lot of vaccines. They've been out there just on the front lines as students in the in the hospitals. You know, in these our hospitals have been at max capacity several times over the last few years, and our students are right there helping and being part of it. And our new grads are seeing a lot. Some of our new grads are seeing a lot more death than I've ever seen as a hospice nurse, sadly. So it's really like on one hand, it's hard. It's also, I'm proud of them. I'm just proud of, of who they are and what, what they are achieving. I can imagine it almost be like a proud parent moment. So I've got a little yeah. one and a half year old and already mm-hmm. I'm proud of her all the time. And so I can only imagine if it's students that you've kind of walked this difficult journey with them and then they're out in the world and doing right. incredible work. Yeah, it's it's great to see when, especially when you've met them when they're brand new and maybe big deer in the headlights, don't know if I can do this. And then not only, you know, can they do it, but they're rock stars. So it's pretty cool. I know for me, when I think of nurse, I think of hospital, but being a nurse is very versatile and you can go in a lot of different directions. Before we head out today, can you kind of talk about those different different roles that they can play, different parts of the the world and in, in our town. We are needed everywhere. And I tell that to the students too, that the, the amount of time patients spend in a hospital is just a little blip on the screen of their life, on the radar of their life. And so we see them in the community, home health, hospice, of course, insurance companies, um, pharmaceutical pharmaceutical companies. I was a pharmaceutical sales rep for two years, and that was fun running around talking to doctors, but I missed the patient care. There's so many avenues and directions nurses can go. So if you don't want to work in the hospital, you don't even have to love, you know, blood and guts and all the, all the stuff that people, you know, needles. If, if you're not into that, that's okay. You can find other aspects of nursing where you will be able to, you know, handle it a little bit better. So there's a lot of preschools, nursing, um, school nurses, I mean. So there's a lot of areas that we can work and make a difference. Great. Well, thank you for the difference that you make, not only on our campus, but in our community. It's been great chatting with you today. Thank you very much for having me. This is the See Me Now podcast. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.